Corinthians chapter 12. While you're standing, take your Bibles in your hand. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read seven verses of Scripture, and I want to teach the gospel and preach the word on this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Thank you, choir. Thank you for the ministry of excellence, the ministry unto the Lord. What excellence, what powerful ministry of song from the music department. And God bless every one of them for their hard work and their labors of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 on this morning. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, I had every intention today to give you all a link where you could download this entire sermon online. I just heard that the, the internet in the area is down, therefore our Wi-Fi is down. I don't know if it's up or not, but I was going to kind of mess with y'all and say my Christmas gift to every one of you. This is a very comprehensive teaching, and it pains me to rush through such teaching. And so I thought to myself, I'll just give you the link, and you can download the entire sermon. Every parent needs this teaching for their child. Every city life group leader, every men talk 12 leader, every Bible study person needs this message. I want to go some areas today that we often don't go in church, though people are so inquisitive and so curious about. I'm going to do it as, as, as effective as I can, and maybe what we'll do, we'll send out an e-blast or something with the link. I want you to have this teaching. All week long, I've said to myself, we need more Bible studies in our church. I cannot do all this on Sunday mornings. We had a phenomenal, very important eight-week Bible study in Huntersville that just concluded a couple of Tuesdays ago. And I think that the greater impact of that Bible study wasn't just for that moment, but it was to serve as a template and a model of what could happen regionally around our city. And one of the things I'm praying about is just releasing some of you all to go and do Bible studies so you can talk about so many topical areas in a very safe environment and minister to the hearts of God's people. And you'll never know until you stand where I stand the struggle of wanting to minister to unbelievers and wanting to minister to people who don't know the Lord, but yet there's such a need to minister to Christians in teaching the Word of God. So with that in mind, as we go through the Word today, be thinking and praying with your church about just so many awesome life groups, so many awesome uh, Bible studies, and uh, I want you to be a part of that. The Bible says that my people are perished or my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Is that right? And I just believe if we've ever needed to know the word, now is the time to know the word of God like never before. Though I am grateful for this environment and this atmosphere, there's so much more I believe our church can do in this next season to be a blessing to the church, our community, and the world at large. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Now, there are different kinds of workings, but the same God who works all of them in all men. Come on, say all men. Very important verse, verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given the Spirit of the message or the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. To another, the word, or by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the one spirit. And to another, miracle powers or miraculous powers. Yet to another, there's prophecy. 
To another, there's the discernment or the distinguishing between spirits. And even to another, there's the speaking of different kinds of tongues. And still to another, there's the gifts of the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same spirit as he gives to each one as he determines. Real quick, here's something you need to know. Anytime you see the word spirit in the Bible, particularly with a capital S, it means it is a personification. It is a personal. It is something that, that serves as a person uh, in terms and not just a thing. So I want you for the next few moments to realize that these are not just gifts of the spirit, but these are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I want to take these next 20 minutes or so, and I want to teach you about the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That may not float your fancy just yet, but in about 20 minutes or so, you're going to understand why it is so important that everyone on your row know and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Before you see it, just shake someone's hand and say, neighbor, today we're going to learn something good this morning. Understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Please take your seats in the presence of the Lord. Understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Once again, understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, man, wow, I, I'm looking at this last Sunday in December, last Sunday of, of, of 2015. And uh, God bless all of our guests, our visitors. But wow, do we have people traveling on this weekend. I want, to, I want you to know that whether you are traveling, whether you're home, whether you're online listening to this message, or you're somewhere sitting in the church, everyone has an opportunity to work with the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings in and on your life. In fact, great things happen when people know the gifts of the Spirit. Great things happen when people fully function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are great personal endeavors. There are great family achievements, and I believe even accomplishments in the local church can all take place when everyone is on the same page, singing from the same sheet of music, knowing what their gifts are and fully functioning in their gifts. We've taken the last several weeks to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is more than a physical or spiritual phenomenon. The Holy Spirit is more than sensation or emotion or something that we release on Sunday mornings. But the Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune Godhead. The Holy Spirit is the third, not it, not what, not a feel good, but the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit has been around just as long as God the Father and God Jesus, the Son of God, has been around from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Before Genesis was Genesis, the Holy Spirit was with God, and the Holy Spirit is a person, a third person of the triune Godhead. And so we understand today that the Holy Spirit has to be the closest friend. The word paraclete is used in the Greek. The closest counselor, comforter, advisor. The Holy Spirit has to become that advocate closer than anyone else in your life. Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away to be back with the Father in heaven, I won't leave the greatest help you can ever have. And that is the help of the Holy Spirit. We've had two very common objectives these past few weeks. Number one 
it has been my ambition that every one of you all, no matter you're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic, apostolic, whatever your church background is, that everyone come, number one, into the knowledge. I want you to know who the Holy Spirit is. That's been my whole goal, that you know who the Holy Spirit is. Number two, I want you to fully operate. It is my goal that you fully function, you fully function in what the Holy Spirit has called you to do. So again, it is important that you know, you come to know the complete essentials, that you know the person, that you know the purpose and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on, say with me, knowing who he is. Now again, the Holy Ghost is not a what. I want to get that clear. The Holy Ghost is not a it. It is a person. And it's my goal that you know who he is. Number two, that all will fully function in the practice, the power, and the performance of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not enough to know who he is. I need you to know what he does. Because if you'll know what he does, you can now know what you need to be doing also. Everybody okay so far? Let me say one last time. The Holy Spirit has to become that person that is closer than any other husband, wife, cousin, friend, sister, sibling, aunt in your life as the born-again Christian. I've said it before, and I think it's worth repeating one more time. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune Godhead. We know God as a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We see God for the eternity of time. He is before time. God is Father. He sends his son Jesus into the earth. 33 and a half years, Jesus, who's all God, but yet now he is all man. He walks on the earth. He ministers on the earth. He lived. He died. He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again. And that's what makes him Jesus, all right? But for that time on the earth, he was all God, but yet all man. And before he leaves us as orphans, as he before he leaves us childless or fatherless, he says, you know what? It's not the will of God that you be without help. So the third person, come on, say third person, of the triune God here. And by the way, he has one complete assignment, all right? And that assignment is not to make your hair on the back of your neck stand up. His assignment is not to give you the eebie-jeebies and every time the, 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 the right key is played with the organ. The assignment of the Holy Spirit is to help you, the man of God, the woman of God, to complete, all right, to complete the assignments that God has given you while yet on the earth. Ephesians 5 says it this way, verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, which will ruin your life, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, last week, and I'm going to take, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take just a moment, last week, how many of y'all were with us last week, by the way? Let me just see a show of hands. You were with me last week, okay? Do you all remember what I talked about on last week? We talked from Acts chapter 6. Do you all remember Acts chapter 6? No, kind of, maybe. I'm not sure. All right. How many were not with me last Sunday, and we looked at Acts chapter 6? All right. Real quick, real quick. Let's go to Acts chapter 6, just real quick. I, we're talking about understanding the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I did both my master's degree and my doctorate degree at Old Roberts University. I originally started my journey at Duke University in the Divinity School, okay? Very liberal, wasn't prepared, just got married, didn't really know one end from the other, so I left. And I knew one day I'd pick up that degree and finish the course. I had an opportunity to go to Princeton, had an opportunity to go to fine seminaries, by the way, but I really felt in my heart, back as a 24, 25-year-old young man, or maybe even younger than that, 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 that I wanted a, 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 a Pentecostal, charismatic holiness 
but, but I wanted something accredited, and I wanted something very proven and very classical. And so I knew at that time that though Tulsa, Oklahoma was thousands of miles away, what have you, but I knew that this is where I wanted to go to school. And here I am at 46, 20 years later, and I'm saying, God, I thank you for that decision then because the ambition, the desire, the vision is yet the same. My whole ministry, other than quote-unquote pastoring, is to inform the body of Christ, to educate the body of Christ, particularly in the African-American narrative of the entire complete comprehensive understanding of the Holy Spirit. I mean, literally, that's, that was part of my exit exam when I graduated. What will you do with this degree? I want to go tell the world. I want to write books. I want to preach sermons. And I really want to bring a sense of intelligence to the things we've seen in our church. Because oftentimes, when we think about the Holy Spirit, when we think about the gifts of the Spirit, when we think about speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues and miracles and healing, particularly in the Holiness Pentecostal Church, we see a whole lot of fanfare, a lot of emotion, a lot of sensation, but we don't have a lot of intelligence. We don't know how to rightfully divide the Word of God. And so many of us, we don't even know the difference between the speaking of tongues in Acts chapter 2 and the praying in tongues in 1 Corinthians 14. We don't know the difference. So when someone stands up in the church and they begin to speak in another tongue, we don't know if she's right or wrong. If there's an interpretation or not an interpretation, okay? When someone stands and wants to prophesy and you think they're foretelling the future as if there's some crystal ball reader or if there's some, some palm reader, that's not prophecy. But we do this in the church. And I, I'm going to say about 90% of us have no clue biblically what's right. And what's wrong? And you see why this breaks my heart that I can't do all this on Sunday mornings. I need you to know. And maybe you don't care to know, but you know what? Your teenagers want to know. And if you don't give them an answer, somebody else will. And the next person who gives them an answer may not be Christians. Okay? It's time out all of the religions of the world knowing their, their books and knowing their laws and knowing their decrees, and yet Christians have no clue of who we are and whom we are. All right? Let me move forward. I got a lot of ground to cover real quick. A lot of ground to cover real quick. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1. In those days, the number of disciples were multiplying. There was a complaint uh, from the Hebrews, uh, Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in daily distribution. And when the twelve had summoned the multitude uh, of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we would leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, the twelve says, hey, let's go seek out from among you seven men, number one, of good reputation. Number two, they got to be full of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom that we may appoint, notice what Paul says, over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Last Sunday, I gave you three very noticeable observations from Acts chapter 6. Number one, the church was experiencing growth, significant growth. But at the same time, the church was experiencing growing pains. Why? You cannot grow a church without complaints. There will not be church growth without church problem. Little churches, little problem. Big churches, big problems. Number two, there began to arise complaints. Complaints began to increase among the widows who were not being served in the daily distribution of food. So therefore, there is a disproportion, a disproportion of resources of ministry services. How come this church uh, department got that budget and this department didn't get any budget? The outreach is as important as the children's church. Well, the children's church is important as us's ministry, but there is a disproportion of resources. Y'all not talking to me. Everybody all right? Uh, in other words, 
The problems we have ain't nothing new. Huh? Uh, number two, there was a dissatisfaction and a displeasure was now being experienced. We love the praise and worship. We love the teaching and preaching, but the ushers. We love our ushers, and we thank God for our greeters, but that parking lot attending crew. Somewhere as the church grew, so did displeasure and dissatisfaction. Would you tell your neighbor, neighbor, ain't nothing new under the sun. Ain't nothing new under the sun. Come on. And here's the biggest problem. Not only was there a disproportion and a dissatisfaction, but, but, but there was distraction. And this is where I've kind of parked my car at for the last several weeks. It's distraction. The things that I need to focus on, I can't focus on. The things that the leaders should be focused on, we can't focus on. The things that our intercessor prayer teams should be focused on, are not focusing on. There was distraction from prayer and the word of God by the leaders. But not only was there problems, not only were there complaints, but thankfully there became an opportunity. Every time you see a problem in the church, it creates an opportunity for gifts to be revealed. Let me say that again. For all you auxiliary leaders, small group leaders, people who are over certain departments in the church, maybe even in your own uh, ministry community, what have you, whenever problems and complaints rise, there'll always be an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to display his gifts. We see that happen. And you don't really see that. You really wouldn't have understood that in Acts chapter 6. But there are several gifts clear in Acts chapter 6. They're looking for men, number one, full of the Holy Ghost. Not to speak in tongues, not to prophesy, not to lay hands on the sick, but we need men who are gifted in the area of administration. We need men gifted in the area of business. We need people gifted in the area of ministry and outreach services. These are the things that happen in Acts chapter 6. As a result, three things happen. Number one, the word of God spread, verse 7. The word of God spread and the number of disciples were greatly increased. Number one, the word of God spread. What happened? Number two, discipleship and spiritual development increased. These weren't just any old men to shake a stick at. When you look at these deacons that rose up, these were not just George Jefferson 227 deacons that we see on TV. This is not a Tyler Perry movie of cussing, cursing, womanizing, homosexual deacons, uh, pedophiles in the church. These deacons were full of the Holy Ghost. They didn't just wear a big hat and a cane and count money and fussing everybody. These deacons were some bad motor scooters. Bible says, Stephen, verse 7, full of faith and power. He did great wonders and signs among the people. Who would equate that to the deacons of today in our generation? Look at Philip, another deacon. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing miracles which deacon Philip did. So it wasn't all about the pastor. It wasn't all about the first lady. It wasn't all about the elders and the priests and the pontiff pilots in the church. Even the deacons, diaconos, the ministers, they were giving themselves to wisdom, to miracles, to giftings, and the powers. Thirdly, what happened? Miracles, signs, and wonders were performed. Let me say this again. When people know their gifts in the church, miracles will take place. Are you with me? I think about the purpose of small groups. There are things that should be happening in a small group that don't necessarily happen on Sunday mornings. When you're in a small group environment, gifts are exposed. Gifts are developed. Gifts are promoted. Things can happen in that setting that we may not have time nor the platform on a Sunday morning. Miracles, breakthrough, things happen when people know their gifts. Now, I want to do this real quick. I started this conversation last week, and if you all remember, I gave you three sets of gifts found in the New Testament. According to the New Testament, there are three 
three biblical areas of core gifts found in the Bible. I gave you one set last week, all right? In fact, I gave you two last week. So that means all I got to do is give you one today. Uh, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, just real quick. There, according to the New Testament, as it relates to spiritual gifts, all right, there are three core areas or categories of gifts, okay? Now, I gave you two of them last week. One set of gifts are found in Ephesians chapter 4. Another set of gifts are found in Romans 12. Here's the good news. I gave you both of those last Sunday. You'll have to get the CD if you missed last Sunday's message, all right? Today, I want to focus on that third set of gifts. But before I do that, remember Ephesians 4, what we call the ascension gifts? Some people know them as the fivefold ministry. Ephesians 4, 11, and it was he, that is God, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And here's why, to prepare them for the work of service. You know what, let me stop right there. I'll pick that up in a moment. So number one, the pastor, the prophet, the apostle, the evangelist, and the teacher. These are gifts, and they're called ascension gifts because they're gifts given from heaven ascending down to man. Uh, what did I say a couple of Thursday nights ago? You just can't go preach because your mama sent you. Okay? You just can't call yourself a prophet because you laid hands on the TV set when Benny Hand said, touch the TV set, and you're going to feel some power. You cannot go out because you got a small Bible certificate from Bishop Twofoot's organization online with a $500 fee and call yourself an evangelist. These are ascension. Y'all not mad at me, are you? Everybody okay? You know what? During the Christmas season, we all got an uncle or aunt or cousin who calls themselves apostle so-and-so, ain't apostle nobody in 30 years. The evangelist coming to town, ain't want a soul to the Lord in years. Uh, you're not talking to me, I see. So, so, so these are gifts that come from heaven, ascension gifts. Uh, number two, Romans 12. Turn to Romans 12 real quick, verse 6, all right? Moving pretty good here, moving pretty good. Romans 12, verse 6. Now, those were what's called the ascension gifts. Number two, here are gifts of practical ministry. Here's another set of gifts found in the New Testament, and these are gifts. Everybody okay so far? How, how am I doing so far? Everybody all right? Everybody fine? Nobody's confused. No one's in a daze. Here's the second set of gifts in the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verse 6. The Bible says that we have different gifts according to the grace given unto us. Now, if a man's gift is prophesying, well, let him prophesy in a poor proportion of his faith. If it's serving, come on, say serving. Let him serve. If it's teaching, come on, say teaching. Let him teach. If it's encouraging, did you, did you not realize you can have the gift of encouraging? Well, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others. In other words, the gift of giving. Well, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him show mercy cheerfully. Just that fast, you, you identify, I, I didn't count them right there, I think it's about eight of them. You just quickly identified about eight or nine gifts or so right here alone. Faith, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, teaching, encouraging, mercy, giving, leadership. You know, this is where we get the word deacon from. This is where we get administrator from or the gift of giving, or the hospitality gifts. These are practical gifts. Now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, y'all. These gifts don't necessarily come from heaven. So we're not going to call them ascension gifts, because you don't have to go to heaven to get these gifts, all right? 
You may naturally be inclined to show people mercy. You all know people like that, don't you? They're very patient, very methodical, very merciful, very kind. That could be a gift. You know people who are very encouraging. You can't be in the presence long without feeling a little bit more strong about yourself. That is a gift. Some people have the gift of giving, and that's just dollars and cents, but they give up their time. They don't mind giving of their resources. They don't mind giving of their skill sets. They give you the shirt off their back. Why? Because they, they, they're not attached to anything. They give. Some people are gifted in administration. I ain't. But some people are gifted in administration. They just have a knick for knack or knack for neatness. They're organized. And, and we're missing that oftentimes in the church. Everybody okay so far? So these are not spiritual gifts that come from heaven. These are practical gifts of ministry. Now, let's take the rest of this time and let's focus on the third set of gifts. Then there is what's called the gifts of healing and the gifts of utterance. And I think this is the one most of y'all in this room would like to know more about, okay? We got the whole fivefold ministry piece. We got it. We understand the serving and the practical ministry gifts. We got it. But talk to me about this prophecy stuff. Talk to me about the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and speaking in tongues. Let's look at this. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 again. To each one, the manifestation, verse 4, of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. And it goes down these lists of gifts of healing, gifts of utterance. And again, these gifts include miracles, signs and wonders, wonder-working faith, prophecy, speaking in tongues, the ability to interpret the speaking in tongues. I mean, these are all gifts that God has given to the people. I want to show you something in the Word. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12, and it's important that you see this for yourself, all right? I'm about halfway finished, by the way. I'm about halfway finished here. But you need to see this for yourself. And I'm going to give you three very, very important reasons why you cannot afford to live another day without knowing the gifts of God on your life. Okay? I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations that's probably going to make you hot under the collar. You may not like me for a couple of days, but God's going to deal with your heart with mercy. And you're going to have to come back and say, Pastor Stevens, thank you for teaching me the word of the Lord, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse 1. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I got to show this to you. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. No, here, let's, get, let's come out of the gate straight with this one. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you ignorant, all right? All right? Uh, now, now, you know that you were Gentiles. In other words, you didn't know anything about the Lord. And you were carried away with all this dumb idolatry, these idols, all this witchcraft, all these statues and figurines, and you worship just about anything. Okay? Uh, uh, therefore, I make known unto you, verse 3, all right, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God called that Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here are three words that are very interesting. If I was in a Bible college class, I'd have you write these words down. You'd have to circle these words. If you miss these three words, you might miss the entire teaching. And they're not spiritual words, but they're words that are needed in this context. Number one, verse four, there are differences of gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. Verse five, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are differences, verse six, of activities, but by the same God who works all in all. Now let's stop right there. Here go the three words that are very, very important. Number one, God says everyone in the church has access to spiritual gifts. Some gifts are more spiritual than others. So if you don't fit in verse 4, you might fit in verse 5. Not only does he give gifts, but he also gives services. There are certain areas in the ministry you may not be gifted to do, but you find an area to serve. Everybody okay so far? All right, I, I want to level the playing field. 
This is not a church for big eyes and little U's, and we got a bunch of little prophets in the corner who are the only ones gifted. That's not our type of church. Everybody has something from heaven. So verse 4 talks about the gifts. Verse 5 talks about the services or ministries. Verse 6 says activities. No one in the Bible are you gifted. And, 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 and. Okay, let me, uh, okay. Um, we have a sports ministry. Elder Terry Baskin, a couple of others. We often try to find an opportunity to do sports-related things, whether it's young men with mentoring, young women, and attending games and supporting them. Now, that's not really a spiritual thing per se. That didn't sound like tongues or interpretation of the tongue. It really doesn't. That doesn't even sound like deaconing or, or ministry or, 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 or administration. But it's an activity. It's an activity. The outreach we saw this past uh, uh, Tuesday night for Christmas. Yeah, there was preaching. Yes, there was ministry and evangelism. But when that child takes that little skateboard home, that wasn't really spiritual. But someone had the gift of giving. Someone else had the gift of helping that lady take the box to the car. There are gifts, there are ministries, and then there are activities. What are you saying, Pastor Stephen? There are some things that you can do in the church that don't necessarily qualify you having something spiritually from heaven. I want to make sure that everyone knows we all have a dog in the fight. We all have something we can contribute. Now, I believe, I believe the goal is to matriculate upwards. You should go from just activities, whether it's just passing out a clipboard and an outreach, to going to being a deacon or a minister or a choir member. You should ascend from that area to a higher area of being spiritually gifted. Because you may not be a pastor, but there can be a spirit of a pastor on your life. You may not be an evangelist, but there's a spirit of evangelism in and on your life. The goal is to take those activities, turn them into ministries, and turn them up into gifts. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12 and 7. And here's why this is so very important. But the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the what? Read your Bibles. For the what? Profit of all. The word we use oftentimes is synergy. Synergy. The total sum is more than the smaller parts. The whole of the total sum or the sum total of the whole is greater than the smaller parts. That's what we were saying in 2015 going into 16. In those days, Paul said, listen, every one of us from the back row to the front row, to my far right, to my far left, everybody has been given a gift, a ministry, or an activity so that everyone in the church would profit. You okay? So, Let's get down and ugly and dirty. If you're not flowing in your gifts, your activities, your ministry, there are people on your road that ought to be mad at you. Paul says, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Here's how the message version says it. What I want to talk about now is various ways God's spirit gets work in all of our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. I thought about it this way. We all love the Panthers, am I right? I know we got visitors in town, but we all love the Panthers. I said this last week. The altar is open for prayer. I said this last week, I want to say it again. Now, if 
as, as, as great as the Panthers are, what are they, 14 and 0 now? 14 and 0? They'll be 15 and 0 in a couple hours, all right? Now, what happens if the offensive line decides they're going to stay at the hotel today and they don't want to show up at the stadium? Do you all think we'd have some problems? I think we'd have some problems. What if Cam gets caught up in a whole MVP argument and decides, you know what, I'm the MVP, I'm the VIP, ain't no need me to play today, we'd be all right. Don't you think we might have some problems? Now, why y'all not talking to me? I'm talking football. All right? <laughs> Elder Walker said we're going to be 14 and 1. Uh, there is a team approach to the success of the Panthers, or any team for that matter, that's successful. But it takes the total sum of all for the profit of all. You, 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 not, you didn't like that illustration? You didn't? Uh, not, not, okay, no, 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 no. If you're building a new home, all right, and, and the roofers are there, the HVAC people are there, the concrete folk are there, but what if the folk with the windows and doors aside, they're going to go on strike? You're going to have a problem in that house. Or maybe they showed up, but the folk who are doing the plumbing, the toilet, and the commode, they decide, we, we don't we, we, we don't be called upon in this season. Uh, you're going to have a problem. Am I right about that? So here's the problem. Only in the church can a third of the church go on strike and no one got nothing to say about it. Uh, would you ask your neighbor, neighbor, are you on strike with your spiritual gifts? Because the Holy Ghost gave everybody in the church some gifts. But you know the old adage, don't you? 80% of the work is often done by 20% of the people. That ought not be so in a church highly educated, highly spirit-filled, and highly anointed. Everybody has a gift a ministry, or at least an activity. But what would happen? You come to church on Sunday only. You barely give an offering. You're always looking at your watch as if you got some neurosurgery uh, or nuclear engine you got to put in the sky. You, you're so big time, so important. Don't have a job, but that's a whole other message. But, you know, I mean, come on, let's talk about it. Only in the church can you neglect the people sitting in your row and no one say nothing about it. Would you look down your row and say, neighbor, are you okay with us today? You all right? And I, I got to say that because watch this, watch this, watch this. If there is inactivity on your row, now I've, I've never been in the military. I'm not a military person, but I think they use the word AWOL. What's it called? Absent without leave. There's some Christians in the church absent without leave. And some of them ain't saying amen while I'm preaching. <laughs> you are You've been placed on the inactivity list of the church. You look good. You smell good. But you ain't doing right. And that's why we got people burnt out, want to take sabbaticals, about to have aneurysms, lose their mind. They mad. They frustrated. Why? Because you keep showing up on Sunday looking pretty. And you know what? I stayed at my Christmas tree this past week. I said, God. Help us not to be Christmas trees. Uh, we want to be fruit trees, not Christmas trees. Because that Christmas tree, it will be gone in two days. All of the ornaments, all of the lights, all of the good looks, all that got to go. Uh, are you a Christmas tree that is only to be seen? Or can you become a fruit tree where we can see some results, some productivity, some fruit, and those fruit should remain? I got to keep moving real quick. My time is almost up. My time is almost up. And so why is this teaching important? Number one, it cancels all ignorance of something so necessary. I'd like for you to tell, talk, I'd like for you to say with me, spiritual gifts are necessary today. 
Spiritual gifts are, are, are often unknown, they are often unused, and they are often underestimated. Uh, you know what? I came to this conclusion. There are basically three mindsets in the room today as it relates to spiritual gifts. Number one, you got those who, and I'm going to call it, I ain't buying it or believe in the perspective. There are some folk in this room who really believe that gifts are no longer needed. They passed away with the disciples. They went away with the Acts chapter 2 model. And while all the stuff that we hear and see is a bunch of fake and a bunch of phony and is not needed today in the church, all right? Uh, number two, there are people who are open, and I call them, I'm sort of open and curious, but I'm also cautious. I'm open, I'm curious, but I'm also cautious. These are the window shoppers of the church, those who are sincerely thirsting and hungry for existing in an experience with the Holy Spirit. However, they're still in the middle of the road. They're based on their upbringing, based on their tradition, based on their rearing in the church. They really want to have more, but it's like, hold up now. I don't know about all this tongue stuff. I don't know about all this miracle and healing stuff, all right? And then thirdly, it's what I call the I'm all in, let's go Holy Ghost perspective. These are they who have a Pentecostal charismatic perspective, and they are embracing of the literal New Testament teaching and expectation, particularly when it comes to the book of Acts. Where do you sit in one of those three areas? Do you believe the gifts are gone? Are you kind of curious but cautious? Or are you all in? My goal is to get the entire church all in with the Holy Ghost. Finally, the gifts of God prepare the people for the work of ministry. It prepares the people for the work of ministry. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Spiritual gifts should be operable, not an option. Spiritual gifts should be utilized, not eulogized. Spiritual gifts should be administered, not abandoned. Spiritual gifts should be desired, not disregarded. With all that said, I'll close my message with these nine gifts. I'll give them to you real quick. You need to know a little something about these gifts. In fact, here's what I like to do. I pray that this message so provoke you that you go home and read your Bible and you come back and say, you know what, Pastor, if we ever start those series of Bible studies, if we ever start those weekend seminars, I'd be more than glad to teach on this area of ministry. I want you to be proven. I want you to teach with authority. I want you to have these gifts proven in your life. Because so many people are hungry and thirsty to know more about the Word of God. Real quick, the Word of Wisdom. How many of y'all familiar with the Word of Wisdom? I mean, at least you've heard about it in the church. You've heard about it. So, child, so-and-so got a Word of Wisdom. Child, so-and-so got a Word of Knowledge. Well, real quick, the Word of Wisdom is a wise utterance spoken through the influence of the Holy Spirit. It applies the revelation of God's Word or the Holy Spirit's wisdom to a specific situation. So when someone says, you know, when, the, when, when, when this gift is operating, you know, God just gave me a word for your situation. We've seen that happen. We've heard that happen. That's called the word of wisdom. We see that in Acts 6 and 1. There's problems in the church, but the Holy Spirit says, here's what you should do. Get deacons, raise them up. That was a word of wisdom. We see that in Acts chapter 15 when the Bible says that the prophets and the apostles were together, and the Holy Spirit said, separate, Acts 13, I'm sorry, separate both Paul and Barnabas for this word. If someone got wisdom directly from heaven concerning a situation, what about the word of knowledge? This is, you like this one, you like this one, because it reminds you of some of the movies you've seen on TV. The word of knowledge is an utterance inspired by the Holy Spirit that reveals knowledge about a people, a circumstance, or biblical truth. It gives knowledge of events, whether they were past, whether they are present, whether they are future. So, you know, when you watch some of these TV shows and people are prophesying, someone, oh, the Lord is in the room, and the Spirit of God is moving among the people. And yeah, I say, and they'd have a couple stand up and say, the Lord just showed me this about your past. Oh, the Lord just showed me this about your, well, see, technically in the Bible, the Holy Spirit 
has moved upon a man or a woman to give a knowledge about something that is either happen, that's happening right now, or that will happen in the future. When our prophetess come to town, when our prophets come to town, it's not necessarily prophecy, but it's a word of knowledge. The Lord shows me this in your bedroom. The Lord shows me this about your home. I remember a story, and I've shared this story before, about a prophet who came to town, and the prayer line was long. The prayer line was from here all the way to the back of the church. And I don't know why we keep adding folk to the prayer line after the last person get prayed for. If you notice, this is why I don't have vertical prayer lines, right? I like doing, I like doing horizontal prayer lines so everybody at the altar can get healed and ministered and, and ministered to, right? But a lot of times in the old church, you have prayer lines that went vertical, all right? So time the line of 50 people get down to two, somebody else will pop into the line. Hmm? And then when they get prayed over, somebody else coming out. Now, what was y'all that 45 minutes ago when they had folk come to the altar? Huh? But that night, the, food, the church was full. I mean, the prayer line was full of people. And the prophet came to town and told and, and, and said, to, he said, woman, I have a word for you. And he said, woman, uh, the Lord showed me you were sleeping with your boss. And the husband, who was standing next to the woman, got so irate and mad and enraged. How dare you say that about my wife, Huddy? He said, well, man, the Lord showed me that you, you sleeping with your, your secretary. Now, do y'all want to be healed or not? They got healed. After those two got healed, everybody else in the prayer line has sat down. All of a sudden, nobody needed deliverance, a prayer. That was a word of knowledge. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. When it is ministered the right way, Agabus gave a word of knowledge about the drought in Acts 11. Elijah had a word for his servant Gehazi. Gehazi, where you been all day? He didn't have to ask the question. He said, did not the Lord give me a word of knowledge where you were versus what you said you were? Number three, I got to keep moving. Faith, faith. And listen, when God gives you a gift of faith, it's not to be confused with a spirit of faith. Let me say the two. This is not saving faith. God gives you a faith that gets saved, but this type of faith is the faith that moves mountains. This type of faith is a special supernatural faith imparted by the Holy Spirit. It is a special gift of God that enables you to believe for supernatural things. We see it throughout the Bible. You see it in the book of Acts chapter 3. We see it in Romans chapter 10. We see it in Hebrews 11. The hall, the, the, the hall of faith where people did great things because of the Spirit, a special gift of faith that came upon the people. Someone in this room said, I need that special gift of faith in my life. Let's keep moving. Number four, about halfway home. Healing, verse 9. The Bible says these are gifts to the church to restore the physical health by supernatural means. I know you, got, uh, I know you believe in healing in the great by and by when you get to heaven. And I know some of you all believe in healing progressively as you follow the doctor's orders. But this type of healing here says God can heal instantly on the spot with or without the healthcare professions. There were healings all throughout the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. It was a gift that came from the Holy Spirit. You know what? Here's the thing. The next time you go to the hospital, the next time you visit someone who's sick and shut in, lay hands on them and pray for them. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm called. No, you're called by heaven to lay hands on the sick. You are just the mailman. Let God be the healer. Huh? We still believe God for physical healing. Number five, miracles. Miracles. These are the deeds of supernatural power that alter the normal course of nature. Say it again. Miracles are gifts from heaven that alter the normal course 
of nature. Miracles happen in the book of Acts. Miracles happen throughout the New Testament. And miracles still happen today. Well, Pastor, how come we don't see them? Well, first of all, we're spiritually lazy, first of all. Number two, we're spiritually conditioned to be very comfortable in America. But miracles happen every day throughout the world. And I don't expect CNN nor Fox News to pick up all of the miracles as quick as they are to pick up bad things that happen in our society. Number six, prophecy. Prophecy. Let me slow down with this one, all right? I want to get this one right. I need you to hear me. Everybody okay so far? Let me see what time it is. All right, we're doing pretty good. Everybody okay so far? Let's talk a little bit about prophecy. Let me tell you what prophecy is not before I talk to you about what prophecy is. Prophecy is not just forth-telling. Let's get out of our heads all of the Hollywood movies and the Tyler Perry show when someone, Yikama Honda, spoke in tongue and prophesied about something that was about to happen in the future. That's more of a word of knowledge than it is prophecy. Prophecy is a special gift that enables the believer to bring a word or a revelation directly from God under the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Again, it is not foretelling. It is not just trying to quote the future, but it is proclaiming the word of God with power. It is proclaiming the word of God and encouraging God's people for righteousness, faithfulness, and endurance. In other words, when someone prophesies, you're adding an affirmation or you are strengthening, number one, a person. Number two, you're strengthening an entire church. So let's back up just for a moment. When someone prophesied, Bible says they prophesied by two and by three. There was a word directly from God that came to strengthen the people. Doesn't sound spiritual now, does it? Doesn't sound real mystical now. Doesn't sound real ap- ap- apocalyptic now. Because prophecy was speaking forth God's word under the impulse of the Holy Ghost to encourage, to strengthen, to affirm God's people. You're not saying amen. You're looking at me, you're looking at me as if you've been bamboozled all your life by watching them TV shows. Can I give you all an honest confession publicly? I may, it may come to haunt me one day, but I am not a fan of Christian TV. I'd rather watch National Geographic and ducks playing with monkeys before I go through the Word Channel, Faith Channel, Holy Ghost Channel, Church Channel, this channel, that channel, and this, because it's, it's, it's buffoonery. It has, become the, it has become the surrogate parent of spiritually weak Christians. And I've been on TV. I'm supposed to be on the Word Channel this coming, what is it, this coming Monday, is it Monday or Sunday? I'm supposed to be on the Word Channel this coming Sunday night. I called him and said, no, thank you. I'm not interested. Why? For what? We've been so abused. We've been so misused. I mean, good Lord, I sit there and I, can I just talk? Can I just, can I just, let me say what you want to say. <laughs> All right? I mean, everything has a price tag. Everything has an amount now. And when sinners and unbelievers see this, they think we're all in the pot together. You know, I met Jim Baker years ago in Cincinnati, Ohio, after he'd gotten out of prison. And for those few moments in the green room, we talked, and he talked about his experience at PTL and his son and all the things he'd lost, this, that, and the other. He wrote a book called I Was Wrong. Still got the book at home now. And, and when I see this guy today, 
the first thought comes to my mind is, man, the things white folk get away with. But I won't say that to you all. I won't say that to you all, okay? I, I realize we online, all right? But I say to myself, you're selling, you're selling year, you're selling end time day packets for 5,000 for beans and, and, and cans of beans in a tent and, and, and all these products. Ain't, ain't, nobody else, ain't nobody but us buying it. Hmm. When I was growing up, uh, when I first got saved in North Carolina, I was at AT State University. We used to watch TV late at night, and, and, and mother so-and-so would come on with the blessed baby dolls. For the low price of, of $100, you could buy this baby doll, and, and the blessing would come over your house. If you're gonna, can, you, can you at least find a baby doll with color if you're going to sell the baby doll to us? You know, but somehow or another, this whole baby doll mindset in our heads is if it's white, it's right. If it's brown, get, get behind. But yet in the church, can we sell blessed baby dolls? In the church, we've mixed the astrology, we've mixed the black magic, we've mixed super, with the supernatural. So we, and it's really the word is called syncretism. The, the technical word is syncretism. It's a mixture of horse, horseshoes, uh, horseshoes and holiness. <laughs> you know, <laughs> y'all all right? That was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> that was the Holy Ghost. And that wasn't playing either. That was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but, you know, y'all remember horseshoes over the door? Y'all, good luck, y'all. All right, I'm, not, I'm, I'm serious. You know, when I grew up, we had the astrology signs, and we had the Virgo and the Libras, and we had, then over here, we'd have the, the Lord's Supper, and then over here, we'd have a rabbit's foot and a horseshoe, and then over here, we'd have a cross, and we just didn't want to take no chances. All right? So syncretism is a mixture of magic and miracles. All right, all right, all right, all right. A mixture or a, a, a blending of the word of God and the horoscopes. Uh, uh, Y'all wake my friend up back there. I don't know if he's asleep or he's dead, but somebody help him out. All right, uh, syncretism is a mixture, all right, of good luck, all right, and blessings of Abraham. And, and, and Elijah said, choose you this day. How long will you falter? between two opinions. You're going to have to make up your mind. you got to stand your ground and follow after the word of God. So, so now we are more attractive to prophecies. We're more attracted to the phenomenon spiritually on TV, on the radio, on the internet, even with conference junkies. Look at the conferences that I feel the most. It's the ones that advertise, Prophet so-and-so is in town, and I've got a word for the people of God. You come on out, and I'm going to be a blessing you. And we leave sound doctrine. We leave right teaching. We leave whole and healthy fellowship. And we go to the convention center. We go over to Cricket Arena. We go to someone's backyard, and we get prophesied to. Now that we're broke, now that we got no money, we got no, we have nothing but shame, we want to come back to the church. So someone can surgically operate on our broken, messed lives. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. I won't have any more time to preach this message. Stand to your feet. I had three more gifts, but we'll have to find some time. I wish I could finish this. Oftentimes, when we don't know what to do, we become desperate for anything. 
Now I was young, as the psalmist said, but now I'm older. There was a day when I wanted to do all of this stuff and be in all these venues. I'm dear friends with the owners of INSP, David Cirillo and his wife. I'll be with them in a few weeks during their chapel service for the third or fourth time. I've done the TBN shows, 700 Club, Harvest shows, you name it. But I was taught as a young man of God, if your difference doesn't make a difference, don't go. I don't need the reputation. And I'll be very transparent. There are pastors that struggle with the allure that that stuff works. And when the budget is tight, numbers are down, money is low, pastors get very tempted to incorporate some of that in their services. I know you don't like how I'm saying this, but I got to call this past week, Doc, I'm in town. Come over there and run a revival and do this, that, and the other, Doc. Blah, blah, blah. I say, I'm good, thank you. I get that call about once every two weeks. No, no disrespect. I'm, I'm sure you're gifted. I'm sure the Lord will use you, but we're good. We're good. And sometimes I want to blame all of the preachers, but sometimes I blame us. We've grown such an unhealthy appetite for the mystical, the super phenomenon. And what are pastors to do that want to stay in the Word? What are we to do that want to be healthy and whole? We're not as sexy or as, as, as attractive. We don't have all the bells and whistles. We're no wizards with wands in our hands, and we're going to zoom and do all this other stuff. The Bible says in the last day there'd be a famine of the hearing of the Word. Not a famine of the Word, but a famine of the hearing. In the latter days, people would leave sound doctrine. And they'll heap up teachers with itching ears, wise, fables, and foolishness. And I need you to know the Word of God. I probably won't have time to finish this on watch night. I, I know I won't because I have a whole other direction we're going for watch night. Here's what you need to know about tongues. The cleft notes of tongues is this. There, tongues, yes. It is very illogical, irrational to the natural mind. But it is a spiritual gift that God gives you and I as a believer. Tongues should be seen as a sign. Tongues should be seen as a practice. The word glossalia is the word tongues in Acts 2. They were not speaking in a prayer language as we do. They were all speaking in another person's language. So the Asian was speaking African. The African was speaking Native American. Native American was speaking Chinese. The Chinese you know, so... Folk had different languages, and it became a sign. And that sign was not to the church. The sign was to unbelievers. They were saying, how in the world is this Asian man speaking Swahili? How is this Swahili person speaking Eskimo language? Y'all understand? And so it was like, wow! And it caused the entire church in Acts chapter 3 to get saved, or entire community to get saved. Everybody got saved. All right? That is, that is the gift of tongues. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about the praying or the language of tongues. I want to say that again. Tongues should be seen as a gift and tongues should be seen as a sign. Okay? When we pray in our heavenly language, 
Some of us call it the spiritual language, praying in tongues, pray. It is for the edification of you. Jude 20, praying the Holy Ghost, building up your most holy faith. The, the believer gets built up and strengthened by praying in their heavenly language. The church gets built up in edification as the church prays in its heavenly language. It's not meant for sinners. It wasn't meant as a sign. That's the other stuff in Acts 2. Two different, two different sets, two different things. Okay? The gift of speaking in tongues is as essential today for the body of Christ as it was 2,000 years ago. I want to say this last piece and I'm finished. Tongues is strictly irrational and illogical, and it requires conviction and faith. And faith in God's word and faith in God's purposes for his supernatural gifts. Speaking in tongues, whether narrative in Acts 2 or instructional in 1 Corinthians 14, is one of the greatest and most essential gifts to the body of Christ today. If you're not praying in tongues, you're missing out on strengthening your faith. I think you would agree that is a series within itself. If you're not praying in your heavenly language, Paul says, I pray in tongues and I pray in my natural. So we can't mix the two. Or in other words, you can't confuse the two. Well, he meant the same. No, he did not mean the same thing. He said, I pray in my natural language like I'm talking to you now. He said, I also pray in my heavenly language. He even takes it a step further. He says, I sing in the natural and I'll also sing in the spiritual language. Huh. Got a lot to learn. Got a whole lot to learn.